Have you ever thought that God was leading you to do something and you stepped out in obedience and boldness and faith and then it didn't work out? Maybe it was a plan for a job. Maybe a job came up and work. Maybe another job came up. Maybe a promotion came up and you were convinced it was right for you. You seem to be the most qualified and then somebody else got it. Somebody who at least you consider wasn't as qualified as you are. Maybe you started your own business. There was something you were passionate about. You invested money. You, took t- you left a job and, and you thought this would boom and a year later it's closed and you just want to, and you wanted to do your best. Maybe you felt God was telling you to do something and you stepped out in faith. Maybe there was some project, some mission trip, something that you believed God is in this and it just didn't work out. Maybe it was a relationship. You meet somebody and you're convinced this is the one. After all, all the fish in the sea that you've pulled out and thrown back in, this is the one. And they might not be sure of it yet, but you're sure that they're the one. You're starting to look at wedding dresses on that line. That's for the ladies. And, uh, and uh, you're telling all your friends this is the one. And then six months later, they're engaged to somebody else. And it didn't work out. Maybe in buying a house, you've been searching and searching. You spend more time reading property, Paul, than you do the Bible. And... Uh, and you find the perfect house eventually and you put an offer and they accept your offer and everything seems to be going smoothly and then at the last minute the deal falls apart. That can be hard. It can be hard. You see, as Christians, we love open doors, don't we? We love green lights. We love to talk about those times when you stepped out in faith and everything went perfectly. And we all have those stories where God moved, God spoke to us, we did the right thing, and everything lined up perfectly. But what about the times when we do the right thing, but things don't turn out right? What about the times when when it seems like a door is open, but it closes in our face? What about the times when we believe that God has spoken to us, but it all falls apart and you've wasted time and you've wasted energy and emotionally you're spent and it feels like you're out of options and you've hit a wall you're trying to do the right thing but it all goes wrong and you keep hitting roadblocks dead ends and discouragement what do you do because we've all been there too we've all been in that place where we honestly thought we were doing the right thing and it didn't work out and it leads to confusion it leads to frustration it leads to disappointment and it can actually lead i've seen it lead to some people just walking away from god completely what do you do when every door you push is shut it can also be incredibly embarrassing especially if you've told people god told me to And then three months later, it doesn't work out. Well, did God change his mind? Because it's very hard to admit that, well, God, I thought God told me to, but I clearly heard wrong. And so we're left with all of this confusion, and it can actually then cause us to step back and and not take risks and and play it safe and, and not believe that God speaks. And that's not what I believe God wants for us. I believe that when God closes a door, there's a purpose in the door closing. And we're going to see that today. You see, we love that worship song, you give and take away, you give and take away. Actually, we don't. We like when he gives, we don't really like when he takes away. We don't. Lord, we love it when you give, but when you take away, 
don't like it so much. So if you just keep on giving, you and I, God, we will just be fine. But God doesn't just open doors, God closes doors. In Isaiah 22, 22, it says this. What he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. Our God is the God of open doors, but he's also the God of closed doors. And what we're going to see, hopefully, is that open doors and closed doors are both a blessing from God, if we view them rightly. Let's look at Acts chapter 16. Paul and Silas are on uh, what's known as the, the, uh, the second missionary journey that Paul has. Their desire is to preach the word of God, strengthen the churches, reach the lost. All really good things to do. They've been at some churches uh, uh, that they've been at before in Galatia and a few other places and now then uh, they decide they want to go into new territory. It says this, Paul and his companions, verse 6, travel throughout the region of Frisia and Galatia. Having been kept by the devil from preaching the word in the province of... No, wait a minute. Having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. So they're traveling around. They're bringing good news. They're encouraging. They're strengthening the churches. It's going great. They decide to go to the province of Asia, not the continent of Asia. Don't be thinking like China and Japan and things like that. It was a province of Asia in the Roman world. It was probably modern Turkey, that sort of region, what we would call today. It was part of the Roman Empire. And they, they want to preach to people. This is an area of unreached uh, people with the gospel. So they want to take the gospel into new territory. They want to bring the kingdom. They want to reach the law. But look what happens. They were kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. That word kept in the Greek means prevented, forbidden, denied, withheld. That's a bit frustrating. So they change course. They say, well, we've been prevented here. Let's, let's, let's move a little bit. Let's make new plans. Let's, let's move up the, up, up, up the road a wee bit. Next, they try to go to Bithynia. Look what happens, verse 7. When they came to the border of Mycenae, they tried to enter Bithynia. But the Spirit of Jesus, that's also the Holy Spirit. I was at a, a, a church once where they said that was a different spirit than the Holy Spirit. That's heresy. It's the Holy Spirit, okay? The same Holy Spirit that prevented them from entering Asia. The Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. Exactly the same word. Prevented them, stopped them, blocked their way. I can understand it if it said the enemy stopped them preaching the gospel that the devil got in their way. And elsewhere in the Bible, we see that happen. First uh, Thessalonians 2, it says, For we wanted to come to you, certainly I, Paul, did again. And again, but Satan blocked our way. So the enemy will disrupt our plans and put obstacles and opposition in our way. There are times when that will happen. However, there are other times when we give the devil more credit when he, than he's due. You know, sometimes in church, I think we get obsessed by the devil and every single blockage and every single uh, door that closes and every single bad thing that happens, it's the devil. Sometimes it's not the devil. Sometimes we're giving the devil way too much credit. Sometimes it's our stupid decisions. Sometimes it's just circumstances. And sometimes it is God blocking the way because he doesn't want you to go in a certain direction. That's what happens here. And in both cases, the Bible never explains how the Holy Spirit stopped them. I would love to know. 
Was it a, an inward impression? Was it this gut feeling? Was it this deep sense that something wasn't right? Maybe it was outward opposition or obstacles or circumstances. Maybe it was a prophetic word because we know that Silas in the previous chapter in, in Acts, it tells us that Silas was a prophet. So maybe Silas got a prophetic word. We don't know how the Holy Spirit stopped them. All we know is the Holy Spirit stopped them. And I, I was thinking about our, each of us. How many of you can think about a time when you were going to do something and you just went, this feels right, or this, this seems like it should be right, but it just, there's something in here. Yeah? Yeah? This job, this house, this relationship, everything seems right, but there's just something that's stopping me. Sometimes you plow ahead and you realize, I should have listened to that. You know, it's amazing how you remember things. Like, I, I can't remember sometimes what I did yesterday, but I can remember what I did 30 years ago. Do you know what I mean? Maybe that's just getting older, Jim, is it? No? 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 You can't remember anything. <laughs> but I, I, as I was preparing this, I was thinking about back when I was at first year at university at Jordanstown. I went to did Camp America, where you go and you work in a summer camp with a lot of we American brats, uh, children, who, who parents send to you for a week and you look after them and then you send them back to them and then more arrive. And I did this for, for, for a few months, eight or ten weeks in America, and I loved it and I, got, I just had a blast of a time. And so the following summer I had planned to do the exact same thing and I went to apply for it and my gut feeling was just like, every time I went I'd fill out the form, I was like, I felt sick. And, 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 but I kept going because I really wanted to go back and, and I posted the application and I sent off my deposit and I, I, just, I just had this real heaviness and no joy and, and it was just like this sense of, ooh! And in the end, I just I had to pull out of it and I, I lost my deposit. And to this day, 30, 30 years later almost, I have no idea why God stopped that. I have no idea, but I know in my knower that God stopped me going there. Only he knows why he did it. And you will have situations in your life that sometimes God stops you and you see why later, why it was. And there's sometimes where you just have to live with it. I have no idea, but I was just trying to be obedient. The Holy Spirit lives in here. And so we, while we don't live our lives based on gut feelings, we do have to acknowledge that the Holy Spirit lives inside us and he will direct us sometimes from in here. He will direct us in here. He will direct us through other people. He will obviously direct us through the word of God. But there are times in our lives where just God will go, don't do that. Just as a quick aside here, on the other side, how do we know God is in it? When something isn't contrary to the word of God, when it seems like a good idea, how do we know it is God? I, I've come up with two things, and they're very simple, and they're not exhaustive by any stretch, but here's the two things. One, that you have a peace about it. You have a deep sense of peace. Even though one, it, it, it may not make sense, even though it, it may not be the best thing, there's just, just this deep supernatural peace that passes understanding that you go, I just have this peace about this. That's one thing. The second thing is this, confirmation. The bigger the decision, the greater the confirmation you will get from God. I have found that again and again. 
you know, to decide whether you go to Costa or Starbucks, you don't need a lot of confirmation. To decide where you're going to live in this country or another country, you need confirmation. It's not just a nice wee feeling you have. The bigger the decision, the more God will put people. So you're thinking about doing something. A friend's actually, I haven't done some notes, but a friend's this week I was talking to who had moved just from, in the last few months, from Australia to Texas. And they just weren't really settling into Texas. It just wasn't an environment that they wanted to raise their children in, but they didn't know what else to do. And, and, and they had bought a house, and the, the deal was, the house was due to close in seven days. Five days, they just said, God, we don't know what you're doing here, but if you don't want us to be in Texas, we submit this to you. Five days into that seven days, the guy who was selling the house phoned them and just said, guys, I don't know what it is, but I really don't think I'm to sell this house. That was the first thing that happened. In the midst of that, my friend's wife has a dream. They're in Texas. She has a dream of a friend who's just moved to Colorado Springs, which is a way, quite a bit away from there. And in the dream, her friend says, come with me to Colorado Springs. Okay, that's quite a big move. Two days after that, a church leader from Colorado Springs rings them completely out of the blue and says, look, guys, I was just thinking about you. Would you consider moving to Colorado Springs? Now we're starting to see that God might, I mean, I might not be the brightest, but God might be in this. God might be in this. And they're still praying it through because it's a huge move, but God seems to be giving them peace, opening doors, and giving them confirmation. The bigger the decision the more confirmation God will give you. But there will also be this deep sense of peace. In this case, with Paul and his companions, we don't know how God stopped them, but he stopped them. Paul had his plans and the Holy Spirit had different plans. And the thing is, Paul's plans were good. They were godly. They were noble. They were holy plans. They were, he wanted to spread the gospel. It wasn't like he wanted to sell drugs or, or, or rob people or break into houses or move to Lurgan. He had good plans. He wanted to do the right thing. I can hold, understand the Holy Spirit stopping you sinning or partying or going with the wrong part, but he wanted to preach the gospel. He wanted to reach unreached people. Plus, in human terms, going to, terms, going to this place, Asia, made perfect sense. It was the right direction from where they were. The roads were good. There were a lot of unreached people. There was a lot of population there who needed to hear the gospel. And everything human-wise, this made perfect sense. On paper, it made perfect sense. And yet the door was firmly closed by God. What made the most sense to Paul did not happen to be the will of the Holy Spirit. You know, common sense is really important in making decisions. God has given, well, I was going to say God has given us all common sense. But when you look at the world today, you know, that old saying, think about common sense is it isn't that common. But just having a wee bit of wit about you will put you ahead of about 95% of the population these days. You know, so common sense is good. Thinking things through logically is really important. God wants us to weigh things up. But there are times when things will make perfect sense logically, but they're not from God. There are times when something on paper will look like the right thing, but it's not God's will. There are times, have you ever done where you have two choices to make and you write down all the pros and all the cons, A and B, and you, you know, and whatever's the long, you know, if the pros are longer, that's the one you go for. 
There's nothing wrong with doing that. But here's what I've discovered. Sometimes God will send you towards the cons list. Back when we were married about a year, a year and a half, we were in Lurgan, the place that I slag every week. Um, I'm not allowed back. Um, and uh, we were praying about where God was leading us next. And we really began to sense God wanted us to go across the border into that other country south of us. And uh, it won the rugby yesterday. And, uh, and at, at that time, two churches both came up that were about 15 minutes from each other. One was in the suburbs by the sea, middle class, solid, established, had loads of money, beautiful rectory. They said, if you don't like the rectory, we'll find you somewhere else. Everything about it on paper was perfect. At the same time as we're journeying with them, this other church in the inner city comes to us in a drug and crime-ridden environment. They don't have any money. They tell me quietly that they hope the archbishop won't look into the finances because they can't afford to pay me. They don't have a house for us. The church has gone from over 300 down to 60 or 70 in the last seven years. And they're not actually sure if they really want a minister because there's a guy already there who's been leading it. They kind of want him to keep doing it. So on paper, which one looked better? (laughs) Team A, okay. Team A, when you do the pros and cons, Team A looks perfect. And we had both final interviews in the same weekend. On the Friday, we drove down to the middle class, lovely church. Or sorry, on the Friday we went down to the inner city church and had our final interview there. And the Monday we drove back to Dublin for the nice middle class church. And they told us everything we wanted to hear and they told us nothing we wanted to hear. And I'll never forget the moment we drove out of the driveway of the second church on the Monday night. When I looked at my wife and she had tears in her eyes and we both went, we're going to the inner city. (laughs) And she's got tears in her eyes right now even thinking about it. (laughs) That's how bad it was. But you know, on paper, everything about this place looked good. But God's will was over here. And we went and God blessed. Because blessing, our obedience always brings blessing. Even if it doesn't make sense. Even if on paper it looks ridiculous. When you have heard from God and you choose to do his will, and you step out in obedience and faith, God will ultimately bless you. It may be difficult, it may be hard, it may stretch you to the limit, but God's blessing is on it. So not everything on paper that makes sense is naturally God's will. Asia looked perfect on paper, but God said no. So they tried Bithynia. It looked like a good common sense choice, but again, the Holy Spirit stopped them. And it's interesting here. It says this, that they tried to enter Bithynia. And that Greek verb for tried means the sense of trying over and over again. It wasn't that they got to the border, it didn't work out, and they went home. It meant that they tried, didn't work, they tried, didn't work, they tried, didn't work, tried, they didn't work. Paul kept trying to get into this region that was closed off to him. And you see, what I've discovered in my own life is this. When something doesn't work out, when a door closes, we do one of two things. We, 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 we kind of just go home. I tried, it failed. We pick up our football and we go home in a huff. 
I'm done, God. I did my best. Hasn't worked out. Here's the other thing that we do. We try harder. And we try harder. And, and I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with perseverance. If there wasn't such a thing as perseverance, I would never have married this girl, okay? Because the first time I asked her out, she said no. Okay, so, so perseverance sometimes is important. Well, when I say asked her out, I asked, when are you cooking, when are you cooking me dinner? Okay? Um, it's the same thing. And the men said... <laughs> and the men are getting a beating when they get home. That was a very subdued amen, <laughs> I have to be honest. It was a very subdued. We need to get some Yorkie bars in this church or something like that. So there is a time for perseverance. But there's also a time when you go, God, you know, you're clearly saying no. So I'm not going to keep kicking on this door. You see, I've discovered that if I want something enough, if I've convinced enough that I can actually make it happen sometimes in my own strength. I can kick doors down that God isn't opening for me. I was thinking about a story. My brother told me once, I have an older brother, three years older than me. And when he was living in Belfast in his 20s, he went out one night. He was living in the Strand Mullis area. And he went out one night and came home about half one, two. A wee, a wee bit worse for wear. A few too many shandy basses. And... Uh, he, he got to the house and he realised he had forgotten his key. And there was nobody in the house. And he's sort of hovering around, out, <laughs> swaying around outside the house, not sure what to do. And the police come along because they see this dodgy character outside the house. And they say, what are you doing? And he, he explains that he's locked himself out. And they say, well, can you get in the back? And he says, well, actually, if I get in the backyard, I think there's a window open I can get in, which I would love to have seen in itself. Um, but, uh, and they go round the back. And, and my brother says, that's my house. And they push and they push at the door. And, uh, and they can't get in. So the policeman says, step back. And the policeman kicks open the, the, the door into the yard. And, uh, and so the, the door smashes open, you know, the lock breaks. And, uh, and my brother walks in and he looks around and he goes, this is in my house. <laughs> and him and the policeman leg it up the road. <laughs> true story, true story. You know, you can kick down the door, but it's not necessarily the right place for you. And we have all forced those things that God hasn't endorsed. We have all pushed really hard because when we get something into our heads and into our hearts, we want to make it happen. And so we push and we push and we can make it happen, but God isn't at the other side of it. And you can open the door, but it might look like the right door, but if God isn't at the other side, it's the wrong door. And if God isn't at the other side of it, you do not want to be there. If God's not in it, it's not worth having. Don't force what God hasn't endorsed. So Paul keeps pushing and pushing on this door. He's had one no at the border of Asia. Now he's got a second no at the border of Bithynia. One door is closed. Another door is closed. What do you do? Apart from giving up and going home or pushing and pushing and pushing, what do you do when God closes a door? What do you do when everything seems to be closed off to you? Well, Paul didn't get angry with God. He didn't throw a tantrum and head for home. He reminded himself of his calling. He reminded himself, God has called me to preach the gospel. And the location is not as important as what I do. If I don't preach the gospel there, God has called me somewhere else to do it. 
I think that's really important to know what God has called you to do. And that doesn't necessarily mean, when you think of calling, you know what, if God has called you to be a, a, a teacher, a nurse, a doctor, a cleaner, a, a, a policeman, a student, whatever that is, it's not about where you do it, it's about how you show up where you are. That is much more important. We get so obsessed with the place, God cares more about your heart. Because you can be in the right place with the wrong heart and it doesn't work out. And so Paul understands who he is and what he's called to do. And he understands who God is, that God is good, that God is faithful, and that God is sovereign. And so he doesn't panic, but he does pause in a little bit. And he takes some time to seek God for what's next. When you don't know what to do, keep coming back to what you do know. When you don't know what next step to take, come back to God's faithfulness in your life now and his faithfulness in the past. Believe Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 that we all know off by heart. That if we trust in the Lord with all of our heart and lay not on our own understanding and in all our ways we submit to him, he will direct our paths. So I'm not going to say a closed door as a rejection. I'm going to say it as a redirection or a protection. Let me repeat that. A closed door is not a rejection. It's a redirection or it's a protection. And I'm going to choose to believe that closed doors in my life are just as much a sign of God's love for me and his involvement in my life as open doors. That God cares for me when he closes doors and he cares for me just as much when he opens doors. That he loves me just as much when he closes doors as when he opens doors. I'm going to believe Isaiah 55, 9. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Every parent knows the importance of saying no sometimes. We have all met those children whose parents never say no. And we cast demons out of those children. Beelzebub, I call them. Because a parent, you know what happens actually? Sometimes the parents say no and the grandparents ruin them. Have you discovered that? All the things that, that your own parents told you not to do when they become grandparents, it's just a free for all. You know, and then they send them home to you and you have to pick up the mess. You know, you were allowed one sweet a month. They go around to your grand, their grandparents' house and they get 400 grams of dairy milk and a Red Bull. And you <laughs> go you home to your parents, son. Loved having you here. See you in three weeks. We'll visit you in hospital. You know, every, we sing God's a good, good father. It's who you are. Except when you say no. Because I don't like it. So say yes. He's a good, good father. And he knows what's best for you. Much better than you do. Let's finish up. So they passed by Messiah. That's where they'd planned to cross over. There's some places that you had planned to go, but you end up passing by. And went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him. Come over here to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave from Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So Paul keeps moving. He doesn't stop. He keeps moving. But eventually he gets to the coast, so he can't actually go any further. 
So he says to the guys, let's stop here for a while in this place called Troas, and let's just take stock, let's step back, let's slow down, let's seek God, let's ask God what's next. Because we know that God isn't finished with us. Just because we've had a detour, just because we've had a delay, just because there's a blockage, just because there's a closed door, that doesn't mean that God is finished with us. So let's stop here, let's pause, and let's ask for some redirection. And you know, sometimes God has to slow us before he can turn us. Sometimes in life, God has to slow you before he can turn you, because you're busy, and your life's noisy, and you're running around from here, there, and everywhere. And sometimes God just needs to slow you down and get you to all the end of your options and the end of all your choices before you actually just go, God, what are you saying here? I learned that the hard way the year after I passed my driving test. I was coming back from Newcastle with my friends in the car on a Sunday night. And I didn't realize we were approaching Devil's Elbow, which the name is what it says. I didn't slow down until my parents were on holidays at the time. This is the first time they've ever heard this story. It was their car. (laughs) Better to ask forgiveness and permission. Um, And we got, and I remember seeing this wall approach me as we got to Devil's Elbow. And I literally skidded around. Like literally, I I was like that close to, to death. And I learned that night that when you're coming to a turn, it's better to slow down. And in our own lives, in those moments where God is turning us, when God is moving, when God is shifting something, when there's transition, when there's change, you know what, don't just rush. Step back and slow down. Ask God questions. Seek his face. Talk to other people. Have conversations with godly people. Look at what it says here. It says that, that, that Paul had a dream. So we don't know how long they're in this place called Troas. And Paul has a dream of a guy from Macedonia saying, come over here to Macedonia. That's pretty clear. Like, that's a good dream. That's one of those things that, that you don't need to go, I wonder what God's trying to, to say here. God supernaturally shows up in a dream. And God will do that. It's one of those things that we tend to think is New Age, but God gives dreams to his people. See it in the Old Testament with Joseph and Jacob. See it in the New Testament with Joseph and Mary. It says in Acts that your young men will have visions. Your old men will dream dreams. That's why I still have visions and not dreams. But dreams and visions are the language of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes the only way God can speak to you is when you're sleeping because it's the only time you're quiet. God will speak through visions and dreams. Sometimes you'll need to interpret them. Sometimes you'll need help. And not every dream is from God, by the way. Let me make that super clear. Here's what I've discovered with a prophetic dream. You wake up immediately after it and you know there was something different about that dream. Anybody ever had that? Where you wake up and you just go, that was not my regular dream. You know what you do? Get up and write it down. Because I guarantee you five hours later when you wake up, you'll be like, I had a weird I had a dream. I can't remember what it was. Get up and write it down. God does speak through dreams. God does speak through visions. God does speak through prophetic words. God does speak in so many ways. And we need to be open to all the different ways God wants. He speaks primarily through his word and any other revelation will always line up with his word. But God will speak through prophetic, supernatural means. 
So Paul has this dream and he shares it with his companions. And they decide, yes, this is God speaking. And they immediately get moving to Macedonia. As a result of two closed doors, the gospel reaches Europe for the first time. The gospel goes west for the first time. And you and I are living in the fruit of that today. You see, Asia would be reached and Bithynia would be reached, but just not then. And just not by him. And sometimes it's a matter of timing. You can do the right thing at the wrong time and it doesn't work. You try it a year later and it works fine. But sometimes when God says no, it's not because he has nothing for you. It's because he's got something better for you. That his plans, his purposes, his ways are greater and higher than your ways. And at the time, it's confusing and it's hard. You see, we read this and we know the end of the story. Paul was living through this. And as we look back on our own lives, we, we can see the times God redirected us and it feels wonderful now to tell the stories, but at the time it was just really hard and really confusing. And it felt like God had abandoned us, that we'd done something wrong. But here's what I've discovered. In those moments when you believe that God is closing every door, also choose to believe that there's another door that you haven't seen yet. Because I know his nature. I know his character. I have seen his faithfulness again and again and again and again and again and again. And if he has been faithful then, I can trust him today even though I don't know how it's going to work out. I choose to trust him. I choose to believe what I know over what I don't know. And this, this message kind of came out of... A few weeks ago, we were driving to a funeral in Belfast. And, and George and, and Dale were in the car with me and... We drove past a church on the ring road on, as we were going to this funeral on the other side of Belfast. And as we drove past, I said to the guys, that's where I thought I would be right now. And they said, what do you mean? I said, back in 2017, when we had left Dublin, we were working up at the Causeway Coast Vineyard. We knew we'd only be there for a year. We were praying for God to open a door. And we believed that was the door he had opened you see, when I was at theological college 20 years ago, the first placement I did was in that church, and I loved it. And I got on really well with everybody, and I, for 13 years after that, I prayed every, at least every week, if not more regularly, that God would give me that church. Every time I drove past that church, which was often, I said, God, would you give me that church? Some days I stopped in the car park, and said, God, would you give me this church? And here we are in our transition year, praying for God to open doors, and the minister who had been there for a gazillion years announces he's retiring. Like, God, what an open door. Like this, I mean, somebody even in the church a few years before had a prophetic dream that I was the minister there. 
Like every, I mean, this was just perfect. We were really excited. Started telling people this is where we're going next. They contacted me and asked me to apply for the job. Didn't need to pray about that one. Went for the interview. Went well. Went for the next interview. Went well. Went to look at the house. And yet, strangely, the whole way through it, both Becky and I had this real feeling I was talking about earlier. There's something not right about this. That gut feeling that we had no peace about it. The whole, but I, I wasn't going to let a gut feeling take away from what was clearly God's will, because this was an open door. And I remember we went to look at the rectory. And Becky had tears in her eyes. <laughs> and that sounds like it's because she's really precious about her. Can I say this? Can I qualify that? Becky grew up in Methodist manses, okay? Where you not only inherit the house, you inherit the furniture from the last 30 years. So she is not hoity-toity about that stuff, okay? She, but she walked in and she just went, I hate this place. But you know what? I was like, be quiet. This is God's will. <laughs> God has opened this door. Get thee behind me. And we went through the process and we got a call to say they'd picked somebody else. And that was hard. That was embarrassing. Because everybody then was coming to me saying, when are you going? Because I told everybody else where we were going. And it's, I have to be honest, it dented my pride a wee bit. And yet in the midst of all of that, you know what happened? This supernatural peace came over us. This deep sense of God has something else. Right then we couldn't see it, but God had something else. Around the same time, somebody here, one of the trustees, dropped me a text saying, would you consider coming to Hope? And I said, look, no, we don't believe it's the right thing. Keep on looking, but thank you so much. On paper, for us, that didn't feel right. From that night that text message came through, God began to work on our hearts. Over time, God began to change our hearts towards, to the point where we were like, we're open to this, God, but we need confirmation. At that time, Becky kept saying to me, I keep having these dreams and pictures of white house with a tree house, a white house with a tree house. I didn't know anyone who had a white house with a tree house, and Becky has a lot of pictures, so I just kind of rolled my eyes and kept going and just being honest and then our friends who live about a mile from this church here put on Facebook one night we're moving to New Zealand for a year would anyone like to rent our house and they put on photos of the house and it was a big white house and they just built a big tree house out the front and Becky went that's the house and that was five and a half years ago And I am so thankful that God closed the door. I am so thankful. And I know that's easy to say now, five and a half years later, because at the time it's stung. But I want to say to some of you this morning that are facing closed doors, that are facing where things just don't seem to be working out, where you're facing dead ends, 
where you're giving it your all and you're doing your best and you're doing the right thing and it's just not working out. I want to stand here and testify to you that God is good, that God is sovereign, that he is God and I am not and you are not. And his ways are higher than my ways and his ways are higher than yours ways. And if you trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and if in all your ways you will acknowledge him, he will direct your paths. But you know where it starts with a heart of submission and surrender, saying, God, I want to do your will. Even if it's not my will, I want to do your will. And he says, okay, I can work with that.